The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. I am so excited to be speaking with you this week, and by the time you're hearing this message, me and Pastor Chris will have been in the Philippines for several weeks now, and let me tell you, God is surely doing amazing and miraculous things, and we are going to have such an awesome report to share with you when we return at the end of February. So get excited for that. God is doing amazing things throughout the nations. You know, something that God desires for his people is that all of us would operate in the supernatural. Every single one of us, God has given us the ability to move in the supernatural, which means prophesy, healing, signs and wonders, even raising the dead and casting out demons. You know, the scripture tells us these signs will follow them that believe. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak in other tongues. So that's the baseline expectation for believers. Isn't that amazing? And if you wonder, well, you know, well, why am I not seeing the miraculous in my life? Something that Jesus very often said to his disciples when they were amazed at the miracles he performed. What did he say? He said, oh, you of little faith. Because if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you would be able to speak to this mountain and it would be cast into the ocean. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed. So miracles, signs and wonders, that's the baseline expectation for believers. That's the standard we should expect ourselves to rise up to be. And the way that we get there is from seeking God out with everything that we have, everything that's within us. In Jeremiah chapter 29, starting with verse 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Isn't that amazing? We will find him when we seek him with all of our heart. You see, and when God's presence manifests itself in our lives, that is when miracles, signs, and wonders will follow you. And you'll become a standard for others to follow. And that's something that's amazing. This is something that Pastor Chris walked in her own life. Even when she was a newly born-again Christian, she already began to experience visions, prophetic words, hearing the voice of God, All of these things happened because she was so eagerly seeking God. She wanted nothing more than to experience the fullness of God. And because of that, she was found by him. And it can be the same for you if you seek God with all of your heart. And this is so important for this day and age because we as the church, we need to be operating in the miraculous. In Ephesians chapter 4, Starting with verse 11, it says, And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till all come 
in the unity of faith and the knowledge of Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, we can see here in this scripture of Ephesians that God has positioned certain members of the body, right, that some are going to take on the role of apostles, some are going to take on the role of evangelists, some are going to take on the role of prophets, some pastors and teachers. What I'm going to be talking about today is we're going to be focusing in on the role of the prophet because, you know, there's the office of the prophet, which takes its role in delivering the word of God and edifying and building up the church. But there's also the aspect of the gift of prophecy. And the truth is, brothers and sisters, all of us should desire to operate in the prophetic. Even if you're not called to be a prophet, you should desire to operate in the prophetic. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And so, what Paul is saying here is the reason why you should especially desire prophecies, because, you know, if you have the gift of tongues, you can edify yourself and you can pray directly to God. But if you get the interpretation of that word and God gives you prophetic words, not only can you edify yourself, you can edify the church and build the church up. So here Paul is saying you should desire all the gifts, but you should especially desire prophecy. So all of us can operate in the prophetic. Numbers chapter 11 what happened is the Spirit of God was moving on the people of Israel and multiple people started to prophesy. And here's what happens in Numbers chapter 11, verse 26. It says, However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, and they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. You see, Moses was not somebody who was concerned with his own reputation. All he cared about is that God was moving, and that the people of God were willing to be used by him. That's all he cared about was God's reputation and God's glory. He was not concerned about his own reputation. And unfortunately, something that we see very commonly in the church is many pastors put themselves at the top of the hierarchy and they say, nobody can go beyond me. They have to be under my covering. They have to be under my rule and influence, right? And they set up the structure to where you cannot surpass them, you cannot go beyond them, right? The God starts moving on your behalf. It has to be under their umbrella. But we see here Moses was not concerned about his reputation, right? Because what happens when you're doing that? You're thinking, oh, I need to worry about my ministry, my image. Moses wasn't concerned about his ministry. He was only concerned about the will of God. And this is something that we have to remember, guys, is that we are not in competition with one another. We're all serving the same God. We're all on the same team. So I desire the same that Moses desires, which is that everyone in the body of Christ is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following them. We have to count ourselves of no reputation. So Moses, right, he didn't care. Oh, oh, these other people are prophesying. 
Not once did it enter his mind, oh, I need to make sure that they don't surpass me. We need to have that same attitude. Okay, so these two scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and Numbers chapter 11, they show us that we should desire to prophesy. We should desire for the Spirit to come upon us and for us to be able to speak prophetically. Now, something that happens when many Christians start to operate in the gift of prophecy and God starts revealing things to them, okay? As soon as God reveals things to them, they go out, they say, oh, oh and God showed me this, and God showed me this, and now I'm seeing this in the Spirit. And they start speaking immediately. But something we have to understand with prophecy is that it's not just about the what needs to be said. In the prophetic, God tells his prophets what to say. He tells them where to say it, who to say it to, and he tells them when to say it. You see, when Jesus asked his disciples, you know, what are all these people saying about who I am, right? His disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And then Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and he said, it was not by your own understanding, it was not by your spirit that you came to say that, but the Holy Spirit came upon you and you were able to say that. So Simon Peter was operating prophetically, right? And what he was saying, and this is the what, what he was saying was 100% correct. Jesus was the Messiah. But what happens is Jesus instructs his disciples, do not tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. And that makes you wonder, it's why would Jesus tell them not to say that, even though it was correct? And the reason why is because it was not yet time for God to reveal him as the Messiah. The timing of God is so important. And some young Christians, when they get prophetic understanding, they will immediately start speaking, right? They, oh, I'm going to go address these people, and I'm going to go say this and some of that. Sometimes God will show you something with the intention that you're not even going to share it. Sometimes God will tell you something so that you will intercede on behalf of what is transpiring. In the book of Ezekiel, you see, because of the many sins that the Israelites and the people of Judah had committed, God was revealing that these cities were going to be besieged and that many things were coming. And then he says to Ezekiel, you're going to be bound and you're going to lay on your side to siege the city of Jerusalem. Look at this, Ezekiel chapter 4, starting with verse 1. It says, Now, son of man, take a block of clay and put it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay siege to it, erect siege works against it, build a ramp up to it, set up camps against it, and put battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and turn your face towards it. It will be under siege, and you will besiege it. This will be a sign to the people of Israel. And this is happening, you know, at his house. Then in verse 4, he says, Then lie on your left side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. For 390 days, you will bear the sins of the people of Israel. <laughs> Can you believe this? So God was revealing things prophetically 
to Ezekiel and he wasn't saying go out there and tell the people. He said, no, you're going to be at your house. I'm going to tie you down and you're going to lie on your side for 390 days. Then it continues. Verse 6, after you have finished this, lie down again, this time on your right side, and bear the sin of the people of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face towards the siege of Jerusalem, and with a bare arm prophesy against her. I will tie you up with rope, so you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. So here, Ezekiel's not getting any, you know, glory or recognition for the prophetic words he's releasing. In fact, he's not even releasing prophetic words. He's interceding on behalf of Israel and Judah. But you see, this is why we have to be so sensitive to the leading of God. God will tell you what to say, he'll tell you when to say it, where to say it, and who to say it to. Sometimes in the scripture, you're not even prophesying to a person. In 1 Kings chapter 13, starting with verse 1, it says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says, A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart, and the ashes on it will be poured out. So this man came from Judah all the way down to Bethel to prophesy against an altar. He's not even prophesying to the king. The king just happened to be there making sacrifices. And this guy starts prophesying to an altar, an inanimate object. And I kind of chuckle at this story because I realize that he's a kindred spirit with Pastor Chris because when Pastor Chris was starting out in the prophetic, one of the instructions that God gave her was to go downtown and to prophesy against the statue of St. Anthony because St. Anthony, he took a vow of poverty. And that vow was resting upon the city. That's why so many Hispanics and so much of San Antonio had been living in so much poverty. And God said to her, I cannot break the spirit of poverty until you prophesy against the statue of St. Anthony. So God told her the what and the where and who to prophesy to. And understand, as a young Christian, right, she was worried about, oh, but what if people see me? Right? What if, what if some work friends or somebody I know sees me prophesying against a statue? Right? But because she walked by faith, she carried it out. And this is something we have to understand, guys, is that if she had decided, okay, well, I live by faith, so I'm going to prophesy against the statue from here in my bedroom. Right? I'm going to do it right here in my bedroom in my prayer closet. I'm going to prophesy against the statue of St. Anthony. That's not what the Lord instructed her to do. He told her to go downtown, stand before the statue, and prophesy. When we obey God to the letter, that is when the power of His Spirit will flow through you. And Christians, we have to understand this. Okay? So in this case, God instructed His prophet to prophesy against an altar. Sometimes you might be prophesying against maybe a nation. Sometimes you might be prophesying to a person. And this is part of the reason why God has been so excited and willing to use Pastor Chris and this ministry. Because we are not people who concern ourselves with our own reputation. For the Lord has sent Pastor Chris to other nations 
not to hold a crusade, not to meet with, you know, foreign dignitaries, certain political leaders or spiritual leaders. No, there have been many times where God has sent this ministry with Pastor Chris to other nations to prophesy without an audience, without any crowd, but to release the word of the Lord. And you know, it's not something that gets a lot of praise and recognition, but the obedience of God is what is important. What did God tell you to say? Where did he tell you to say it? Who did he tell you to say it to? And when did he tell you to say it? All of these components are essential when you are operating in the prophetic. Just because you see something in the spiritual realm does not mean it is time to release it. And these are the things we have to be sensitive towards. Because something we've had a lot of issues with in this ministry is that, especially when we're holding prophetic school and conferences, is that when the Spirit of God starts to flow, many times in the past, prophecies are beginning to be released, words of knowledge are being released. Many people will try to insert themselves into the middle of what God is doing because they want to show that, look at how anointed I am, right? So something that happened in the past is that prophetic words start to go out from the podium and then people try to come up and they say, oh, I also have a word and I also have this and let me show you how anointed I am, right? Let me add on to this word that you just gave out. Let me tag my name onto what God is doing now. When this happens, it shows that people are concerned about establishing their ministry and establishing their reputation. Now understand, there are times when the Spirit of God will come on people and yeah, they'll release prophetic utterances. When Jehoshaphat had heard about all these enemies that have banded against them, he called for a nationwide fast and prayer. And then when they were fasting in prayer, a random person that was in the crowd, right? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the word of the Lord says. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. In that situation, that man was not motivated by establishing his reputation, right? Prophecy always ties itself back to the will of God and the purpose of God. When God sent Jonah to prophesy against Nineveh, what was God's purpose? It was so that Nineveh would repent and they would turn back to God. And, you know, Jonah knew this, which is why he ran away, because he wanted Nineveh to suffer. He did not have the heart of God. But prophecy always points the way, and it always aligns itself with the will of God. And many times it's in ways that are so far beyond your understanding. So when you're looking to operate in the prophetic, you have to look at your heart issues. You have to examine your heart and really be honest with yourself. Am I being motivated in such a way that honors God? Am I motivated and is my motivation to fulfill God's will or is it to enrich myself or serve myself? You always have to check these things when you want to operate in the prophetic. I'm going to close with this scripture from Isaiah chapter 7. And it's important to know the context of this because what Isaiah releases in Isaiah chapter 7 is a very famous prophecy and you'll see why. But in the context of this story, what happened is that Israel had teamed up with another nation to march up against Jerusalem. And so the king of Judah at the time was very distraught because one, you have to understand Israel is their brother nation. They're both descendants of Abraham. So this is their brother nation now teaming up with another nation. 
And now they're marching up against them to conquer the city. And so you have to understand this is a very uncomfortable situation for the king of Judah. It says in Isaiah chapter 7, starting with verse 1, When Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. Okay, so here we have Aram and we have Israel teaming up together against Judah. Now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Right? They're afraid. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct by the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Okay, so I want you to note this. What is God specifying here? He's telling Isaiah where to go. He's telling him who to talk to and who to take with him. Right? So let's read that again. The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Okay, so there's the who and there's the where, right? Say to him, and now here's the what. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the sons of Remelia. Aram, Ephraim, and Remelia's sons have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the sons of Tabil king over it. Yet, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, and this is the most important thing we have to remember, especially, guys, when it comes to this nation. Always focus on what the Lord says. Don't worry about what the media says. Don't worry about how bad things look. Don't worry about what the economic forecast might say. Focus on what the Sovereign Lord says. So verse 7, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And that's true today, guys, by the way. We have to stand firm in our faith. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz through Isaiah. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest of heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Understand, guys, if God is asking you to do something, just do it, right? And so Isaiah responds to him, and I imagine quite perturbed. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, isn't that amazing? Here, Ahaz had this very current, present circumstance that he was very worried about. And God said, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. Those kingdoms are going to crumble from within. In fact, I'm going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and he will be called Emmanuel. Right? That's the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ. That's not the kind of sign he was expecting, and that's not even the kind of sign that he even lived to see. You have to understand this, guys. In this circumstance, through prophetic word, God addressed the current situation of Ahaz, and then he also addressed the coming Messiah, who would not come for several hundred more years. 
Prophecy always aligns itself with the will of God, even if you don't understand how it's happening. Isaiah might have had an inkling of what God was doing, but he had no concept of what God was planning when God told him to release these words. And this is what we always have to remember when we operate in the prophetic. So I hope you guys were encouraged by the things I was talking about today. So remember, seek God out with all your heart and he will be discovered by you. And when that happens, you will begin to operate in the supernatural. And when you start to operate in the prophetic, remember, what is God telling you to say? Who is God telling you to say it to? Where is he telling you to say it? And when is he telling you to say it? And remember, any prophetic word will always align itself with the will of God. We have to be disciplined in these things so that God can use us further. But I'm out of time for this week. I hope you were encouraged, and I hope you really take these words to heart. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Until next time, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this podcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023.